It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Enjoy. Thanks. The order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot, Neil. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Hello, my name is Dave Hanrady, and there will be no encore. Welcome to the 43rd episode, episode 43 of the No Encore Music Podcast. I'm joined by Craig Patrick. The old anecdote, how are you? I like that one a lot. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? I was going to go with anecdotal evidence, but that's more of like a rap name. I than think just you a, did that before. No, I didn't. So I now I retract didn't. my There's phrase. There's a long list. <laughs> <laughs> I still think Hunter Hearst Hanrady is the best one. Especially not even he, mine. The way you delivered Sean Conroy. Yeah, yeah but the it. delivery was everything. Hunter really, wasn't it? Hearst Hanrady. Yeah. Cole Morrigan. Good evening, how are you? I'm good, man, how are you? Very well. You look better, you seem in better form. You look better. Van? Uh, the last gig that we went to. <laughs> oh, this. Let's get straight to it, shall we? This again, yeah, we went to the Button Factory, where um, in aid of the first Fortnite um, charity event thing that happens in the first two weeks of January every year, there was uh, quite an extraordinary gig, really. A uh, big headlined gig, by it. Overhead the Albatross, mm-hmm. um, who were fantastic, as always. Mm-hmm. Uh, support came from Otherkin and Windings. And there was scattering more afterwards, to be honest. I had fled at that point. But uh, yeah, things, fled th- in tears. Well, things got off to a rocky start. They really, really did. Um, I mean, like, I don't know if it's the button factory. I don't know if it's the fact that it's a gig made up of kind of wildly different acts in some cases. But it became apparent very, very quickly that we were standing in the middle of a very busy and loud smoking area. But we weren't. We were actually in the venue and yeah. windings got going. And the level of chatter was just so extreme that... See, what, what happened was I missed the first bit of this. At one point, about maybe two or three songs in, Cullum, to my left, turned around to a guy and just like like, like, like an angry dad at a cinema, 
just went, would you shut the fuck up? And I was oh, like, oh, wow. Oh. Doing a Craig on it. <laughs> About two songs later, you stormed out of the, uh, the venue. I was like, I, I didn't storm out of the venue. I just moved like up the front near the stage. So. I saw you walk out the door, man. No, 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 I didn't. Okay. Yeah, I, I, know what I, I know what I saw, Craig. Sounds like an intense night. You can ask, I can, I can tell you what mystery. they played for the rest yeah, of the set. Really, really was. But, uh, yeah. Anyway. But uh, you had previously asked the man politely yes. to stop talking. So it wasn't just a complete flip out. I'd also hoped that he'd realise that he was in a gig and it might have, you know, dawned on him stopping anyway. a twat. Yeah. I had to also say to someone later on in a much more reserved fashion. Of we course. Upstairs in the balcony watching overhead the albatross, there was a, a, a guy on a date next to me. And yeah, it was very upsetting. Nonetheless, on the positive side, <laughs> overhead were absolutely fantastic. They were. As they always are. Do you know who weren't? Otherkin weren't good, man. You see, I mean, like, oh, Dave, Dave has to say this in very plain terms now because he tried to diss them on Twitter. and tried seemingly to diss them on Twitter. Did well, you yeah, fail? because seemingly nobody got it. They all just started yeah. retweeting me. <laughs> now, for the record, I didn't tag them in or anything. So I think that's yeah, bad. That's not, bad yeah. practice, by the way. Anybody listening, if you're going to, you know, give out about someone on Twitter, you know, take the coward's way out and don't tag them in. So I tweeted out, because there's other kind, they're doing, they're doing their shtick, which I, I'm, I'm not into. I'm sorry, I'm just not into it. I, I, I don't like it. And I tweeted out, I said, um, every time Otherkin play a gig, a copy of Enemy Magazine from 2004 gets its wings. I mean, it doesn't quite work, but it's quite a good joke. I think it works. Quite work. I think it works. It doesn't work when their record label retweets at its price. <laughs> yeah, the band themselves retweeted it as well. You'll uh, be writing their press releases in a week. No, I, I think they knew. I think that's them doing the ownership thing of being like, we're owning our criticism. Right. Unless, you know, just to clarify, lads, I was taking the piss out of you. <laughs> Yeah, this has happened to me before, where I've tried to insult people online, and they're just like, "Hey, mate, what's going on?" Yeah, <laughs> maybe we're not the writers that we think we maybe are. We're not. It's very possible. We're not the writers we think. We However, are. Uh, for more on Cullum losing his mind, uh, we can throw to we have a very special episode this week. That's right. Yeah, um, we have been hanging with girl band. It's been a little while in coming. Uh, we've been chasing them, and they don't often do this sort of thing. That's true. So we were absolutely delighted to have them here in No Encore Towers. One of the most engaging conversations I think we've had in No Encore so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything from wrestling, to vomit, to Michael Owen, to musicals, to touring the States. To, and then back to wrestling. And then back some more wrestling, to calling out Conor McGregor. Uh, it's, it, it goes places, guys. And of course, that's an aid of their upcoming gig in Vicar Street on February the 17th in aid of Pieta House. A hell of a lineup. you got Reese and Gana family and Lynch done there. DJ sets from James Vince McMorrow and people from Rough Trade, as well as, of course, Girl Band playing themselves. Kind of like a mini festival and in aid of a very, very good cause. That interview will be out on Thursday. And I got to say, it was one of the most fun interviews I think we've ever done. It absolutely was. But Dave, as you start listing star-studded lineups right there... Mm-hmm. I think it's time that we share with the listeners what they can look forward to at No Encore Live. March the 2nd, the Workman's Club, you can look forward to Craig Fitzpatrick with a 45-minute stand-up routine. Yes, I've been working on it. I've got eight minutes. (laughs) It's going well. With only 37 minutes to go, we thought we should call in some backup, and so... Yes. Fresh from their storming performance at the Button Factory, we have windings. We do. We have the Choice Prize nominated We Cut Corners. We do. We have the also Choice Prize nominated Bantam. We do. And we have the fantastic Farah L. We do. It's a hell of a lineup. And the plan, effectively, is to have this kind of weird Jules Holland kind of freewheeling thing. I guess so. We're, We're going to really... have chats. We're going to have tunes. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, Craig's be, comedy. Th- there'll be no uh, boogie-woogie piano nonsense, so don't worry about yeah, that. Yeah, hopefully no awkwardness. Like, yeah. awkward in-between songs chatter, which is Jules' staple. We're going to try and do that, I think. I'm okay. going to try to say everything in a Jules Holland style, like I'm shouting it from the window of a moving car, you know? Cool. C- can we have the guy with and the clock, please? Have we all heard Adam and Joe's Jules Holland impression? Yeah. Well, if you haven't heard it, 
Have a listen. Yeah. <laughs> but the rest of the time, definitely. I think every day's a hoot and nanny. <laughs> For Jules. <laughs> For Jules. Wake up. It's a 24-7 hoot and nanny. Bit of boogie woogie. Oh, hoot and nanny. Not again. All right. Ladies <laughs> <laughs> and gentlemen, I'm going to have some breakfast at the bridge, wonderful bacon eggs. Bob's is going to the cooker. Over here's the cooker. As brilliant as ever, you also have the toaster. As though it is back into the gardens, wonderful flowers from the garden. <laughs> Pretty spot on, I would say. Uh, yeah, so look, this is our first ever live show, and I mean, you know, it's it's going to be a bit ramshackle. Well, you know what? We're going to do our best. I have a lot of faith. Don't be saying that now. I think with a lineup that strong, oh, yeah. and us it's at our best, it's going to be fantastic. I will and say, though, as someone who was in bands and didn't always play to a full house, I am a bit scared. <sighs> and therefore... I want people to, you know, show up on the night. Well, it, what, what, I'm, I'm, it's going to be jam-packed. I'm going to be signing stuff after the show. It's, it's all happening, man. If this sounds like something that you want to be a part of, Cullum, what can people do? People can go to noencorelive.eventbrite.ie and get their tickets. There's a limited number of early bird tickets on sale, well, pretty much from the second this podcast drops on Monday morning. And from there on, uh, it's 10 Irish euros for uh, four fantastic live acts and what should be a brilliant night. Well, you know these financial markets, man. They they can get violent at times. I guess they can. Well, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be fantastic. And it's to mark our 50th episode, so we hope to see you there. Now, it should be said that we could easily have called uh, the live event the Variety Bazaar, but apparently... That name is off the market now. It is, and this is uh, shades of our original podcast name, Craig, here, isn't there? The Aesthetic Review. The Aesthetic Review. Mm. What a beautiful name. Or E-V-U-E. Alan, our producer, wanted none of it. And it is a bit difficult. That's why we're called No Encore. Yeah. Which I um, love, by the way. I have to say, you know, I've learned to love it like a parent who didn't want it. It's great. Code. All caps. It works. It's easily spelled, you know. Yeah. Anyway, Michael Evis has decided to take an adventurous route in planning a new festival. It sounded at first mainly because he did a really bad job of explaining it, as though it was going to be a Glastonbury or a replacement. Uh, it took his daughter coming out later to say it is not. This is going to be a sort of an additional yeah. uh, festival in their calendar. Uh, it's going to begin in 2019, I believe, and it is called the Variety Bazaar. It's going to move about 100 miles north of Glastonbury towards the Midlands of the UK. And he says that it is a huge risk, but he's been a risk taker all my life. Uh, this one might be one risk too far. I don't know. I haven't come unstuck yet. Hmm. It's an interesting one because so much of Glastonbury is the location. I mean, you know, even before the headliners are confirmed or any acts are confirmed, people just want to go and kind of do this pilgrimage to the place. So I don't know if they want to go to the Midlands and do the same. The one thing that also can be said, though, is that a large part of Glastonbury is, you know, the sort of the not-for-profit the sort of hippy-dippy shit, frankly, let's be honest, that kind of comes with it. So maybe this will give them an opportunity to both A, sort of rebrand without a lot of that sort of tacked-on stuff, and B, to maybe splash the cash Hmm. in a more capitalist venture that they can finally start getting the Fleetwood Macs and the bands they've always said, you know, play Isle of Boys because they get bags of money from them and not from us. So they're abandoning their ethics, essentially, is what you're saying. (laughs) Although then again, you kind of think, like, Glastonbury's so all-consuming. I mean... Is this going to end up being a sister festival? Like, how are you going to get all new acts when you've already booked about well, five hundred? It sounds like streamlining. I mean, like, I mean, like, um, maybe they will have annoying places like Shangri-La for Gemma Carney to go to on the BBC coverage to tell us how, how amazing it all is every fucking year. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just kind of feel like uh, Glastonbury is such a synonymous thing now. That I think Craig makes a very good point in that. Yes, so much of it is about the place and that kind of wicker man vibe. I suppose that some people go there for. Minus the horrific, uh, 
cleansing of the flesh via being burned alive at the end of the whole thing. Or the bees that's in the a, remake. That's a more burning man sensation right Good there. Good point. But what I would say is, I think, you know, you put Glastonbury in association with anything, especially if it's a smaller thing, I don't see the envision this being a problem. And Michael Levis, to his credit, you know, he is a risk taker, and it's kind of cool to see him take further risks at 81 years of age. Part yeah. of it is because he wants to still have a festival to go to in his kind of twilight years. So good on him, I say. Yeah, yeah. yeah he kind of says as well that he's looking out for the future of a festival. We are may... available to play the variety bazaar. <laughs> we, we are sure. absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> one step at a time. Now, uh, one guy who's unlikely to be volunteering his services is Iron Mike Tyson. Imagine what that would look like. Former baddest man on the planet, uh, now one of the baddest rappers around. I think it's <laughs> hey. fair to say. Take a look at this. So your boy, you can't fuck with. Chris Brown, fuck up. If you show up, it's going down. I'm gonna teach him how to knock your ass out. If you show up, it's going down. I'm gonna teach him how to knock your ass out. I'm Mike Tyson. It's going down. I'm gonna teach him how to knock your ass out. If you show up, it's going down. I'm gonna teach him how to knock your ass out. Fuck up. Cause I'm the champ Soldier boy, you don't stand a fucking chance If you show up Sorry man Chris Brown's gonna make you shit your pants I'm Mike Tyson The greatest ever Mayweather we said when the Chris Brown Soldier Boy fight was announced, at least the one thing they couldn't possibly mess up, surely, was having decent music to go with it. And you were wrong. Yeah, it turns out. <laughs> um, yeah, there's still no further confirmation as to whether this is truly happening or not, but uh, they're training. They have obviously got Mike Tyson yeah. involved in it. Floyd Mayweather's popped up chatting about it as well. Um, Soldier, the latest is Soldier Boy has said that he's now promoting it himself and that Floyd isn't involved in terms of the overall kind of promotion because it's taking too long to happen. Um, money just isn't pleased. It's a very ramshackle altogether. Um, but Soldier Boy is basically just saying, listen, if you want to go to this thing, um, hit me up on Twitter or Instagram and I'll get you tickets. And it doesn't sound Dutch at all, <laughs> essentially. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's quite an unsavoury thing. I'm sticking with my this is not going to happen prediction. Yeah, I'm going to stick with that as well. Um, yeah, and I'm does anyone want to see it happen? Is there oh, much? I would. Yeah. Out of pure morbid curiosity, yeah. And a oh, fucking sports fan over here, Cullum, I, yeah, I'd say you'd be sitting there with your foam finger at five, not, five in the morning in your bag of cans. <laughs> I'm not sure if this would be the highlight <laughs> the of my of sporting cans. year <laughs> by any means. But Prowess. Who would we have money on? Uh, I mean, it's got to be Chris Brown, I think. Yeah, I think Chris yeah. Brown. Right. I think he works out more. He's probably you know got more money for coaches and shit. Yeah, we we know from previous history that he packs a punch. Jesus, oh Jesus Christ! And with Floyd involved, it's just a horrible bunch of people. Yeah, it's gross. <laughs> yeah. It's a horrible situation. That I, you know, we probably shouldn't be promoting any further. So okay, so let's move on to someone who's not a horrible person. It's the glorious return of Kiss Corner. <laughs> My beat that I walk. Uh, Kiss bases and founder member Gene Simmons has said illegal file sharing and downloading is the reason that Kiss are reluctant to record a new record. This isn't that the band are not a charity, and he's no interest in making a new album unless it's a financial model that works for them. I mean, I'll give him credit here. A lot of bands would sort of say, you know, we have no good ideas at this point. <laughs> but he's found an inventive way around it. 
Yeah, I mean, he said, you know, there's less of an incentive because of downloading and file sharing. People have convinced themselves they don't want to pay for stuff. He goes, last time I checked, Kiss is not a charity, which I have to say, I never thought was a source of confusion, but uh, no. fair enough. Uh, he said, we're, we're philanthropic, but I'll be the one that decides how much I give and where. I don't want some college kid to decide, you have enough money, I don't want to pay for your music. Okay, then go and download a Radiohead album and see what happens. No, I ain't about that. And he goes on to say, make a distinction between commerce and philanthropy, which sounds like, you know, a man throwing around big words, to satisfy his massive yeah. ego. I don't think this is an excuse um, because they were never really, you know, flush with ideas in the past. They had one idea. I think he could stick to it and just, you know, really double down and make some more cash or not in this case. I think he really is just not putting out music because he can't make a dime from it. And I think if Kiss were starting out now, well, they wouldn't start because Gene is more concerned with money than the music and the creative process. Yeah, and he so. always has been sort of money-grabbing in that regard. So yeah. I just never thought I'd see the day where Kiss had run out of things to say, but musically, but you know, what can you do? You have to move on. I'm oh. amazed they're not playing Trump's inauguration because he seems like the perfect person. He's, he's, Trump has really struggled to get people. Kiss are still, like, you know, a big band. And, I mean, Gene Simmons was on the bloody Celebrity Apprentice saying yeah. how smart Trump was. Yeah. So he he should be there representing in the makeup. Was he asked? He was asked. Yeah. And he said that it, was, it didn't come to fruition. So it's either a case of money or it's a case of, you know what? I want to be. Uh, I don't want to ostracize Kiss fans. You know, the more discerning Kiss fans yeah, yeah, that are yeah. out there. One man that wasn't even asked was Kanye, Kanye West, West, which means it's the return of this. Attention, everyone! One, one. Shut up, Craig on Kanye. Yeah, so as we say, you know, slim pickings for Trump. Um, no one wants to turn up to his little get-together for his um, moving-in party to the White House. Um, Kanye might have done it, though. He's been probably the most high-profile artist that's come out in support of Trump, has been hanging out with Trump, Trump Tower. Um, but no, it's not happening. And it's not happening because Kanye has kind of said, no, it's not my audience, it's not something I want to get involved with. Um, we're hearing that Kanye West is not playing or has not played because he's not traditionally American enough to take the stage. Well, I'm reading between the lines there, I kind of <laughs> feel like it might be something veiled in that statement. Yes, you see, so. yeah, there's a definite sound of dog whistles when you hear that one. Though, frankly, I think that, if they were to be perfectly honest, it's not even that he's not American enough, so to speak. It's that he could say fucking anything. <laughs> well, yeah. It's like of all the days where well, you want to be pretty <laughs> confident that you've got a safe pair of hands with yeah, the microphone. Yeah, but then again, this what is... A stage that would be for Kanye in fairness that would be phenomenal <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean like he could drop Yeezy season 4 or something for all we knew but I mean this is a president who did say and I quote I could walk out into Times Square right now and kill somebody and I'd still get elected yeah so you got I'm not sure you know kind of uh, censorship is really at the top of his agenda yeah but, he'd probably be into it I'd say it's maybe his team reining him in in this regard and it was uh, Tom Barrack the chairman of the presidential inauguration committee that was talking to CNN gave his reasons for Kanye not playing and basically it's that he's not white and doesn't play guitar and he's not from the 70s essentially I think Um, which is a shame of course uh, the inauguration has actually taken place I hope we're all still here rather and uh, yeah well who knows what we've seen in terms of surprise (laughs) performances yeah this is Uh, true Michael Flatley turning up Uh, that news broke uh, yesterday basically Uh, we were recording a few hours before the inauguration so uh, (laughs) do you want to get ready for it (laughs) well I've I've got to get my best suit tie and make America great again hat on so uh, yeah we've got that to look forward to for the weekend at least something that unfortunately we were looking forward to but couldn't go to because of the girl band interview you know you have to prioritize things and we did we missed out on the head stuff quiz of the year however there was a music Friend, and we 
are going to do it right now. Oh, let's go. Woo. I've already done it privately, and I want you to know, guys, aced it. Aced it. Aced it. Yeah, full marks. I've heard rumours to the contrary. Yeah, there's, some, there's been some controversy, but uh, to be fair, full marks is how I choose to see it. However... How you choose to see it? It's open to interpretation. It's not open to interpretation. I okay. won. I got it all right. world, Chris. Oh, yeah. It was a 100% score, a perfect score by a perfect podcast host, Dave Hanrady. Hi. So, you guys can see if you can match my score. Okay. We're going to do, do it. We're going to do it right now. So, it's 10 tracks from last year in reverse. And it's fastest vocal cord first. Let's have the first one. It's Frank Ocean, but it's... The tension. I, I, this, I, I got this straight away. Is it Nikes? Nope. I got, this, no. I, I, I got this immediately, guys. Come on. Yeah. I like it backwards. <laughs> it's better backwards it's, than this forward. Oh, I think really? the devil is speaking to me. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I'm drawing I, blank. Are you both tapping out on this? Yeah. One of the biggest songs last year. Massive. Oh shit, sorry, no. I need a wanna dance. Yeah, Drake. <laughs> of course. Of course. Craig I is off. like that song forwards as well. Craig is off the mark. Yes. Uh, let's have the second one. I need a forest for Jane. Yeah. Oh. No, um, why, why can't I bloody think of the name now? We reviewed it on the Rise, Rising Water, James Vince McMore. Uh, yeah, there you go. We're back level. Awesome. This is what I want, guys. This is the kind of division I want from my from my hosts. Let's have number three. Uh, Beyonce formation. Formation. Correct. Yeah. Streaks into the lead. Streaking. He is streaking into the lead. Uh, number four. It sounds like Lisa Hannigan. Yeah, I've got Lisa What's Hannigan. What's the song? As well. What's the name of the song? The track title. Um, Producer Alan is having convulsions watching you two just have this bizarre. <laughs> like you should see their faces, listeners. I'm it's sorry, called, you it's can't. Called, it's called Fall. It is, but who gets the point? A half point each, or half, a point each? Half a point. Yeah. Okay, point three, it says producer Alan. So Yay. the score is 3 2. Am I right there? Oh, Kanye. Um. <laughs> oh my god, why is it falling out of my That's Famous, famous. Yes, Jesus yes, yes, Christ, yes. I'm losing it. Three all, isn't this it? was just sprung on me. Okay, next. Sprung. Oh, ra- Radiohead. Um, oh, fucking the one I don't like. <laughs> Burn the witch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Craig into the lead. Four three. Let's have the next one. See you, the greatest. You're half right. So it is Sia, or it could be the greatest. <laughs> 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 
Um, what other songs did she have last oh year? Oh God, they're all so forgettable. It was much bigger. Aren't it was they? a massive commercial hit. Was it gigantic? Yeah, huge. White I Christmas. It was early in the year because I thought it was 2015, but it turned apparently it's 2016. Ah, for God's sake! I'm not going to get it. No, no, I don't. Blanked on see it. Sheep thrills. Was oh. um, so I believe. Are we on four all here? I've I've lost count. Uh, no, five four. Yeah. Right. Pay attention. Oh, David Bowie. Um, fucking Blackstar. Yeah. yeah. Six four. Yeah, I got four, six. I feel like, uh, oh, I think it's five three because we did. Jesus we both Christ. got one wrong. So yeah. to be fair, listen. We didn't what, get what, what I would say is it's very hard to keep score when you're having the devil in your ears for like on repeated occasions. But there's definitely two in it, so we'll we'll we'll, we'll, we'll revise that. Bullum's face. <laughs> I mean, like, I should know so this. Hip- recognize it. Yeah, so it's so hypnotic. Can as we well. have that again, please, producer Alan? I feel like I'm possessed. No, 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 it's not going to help. <laughs> like, I know the hook. Oh, oh Cra- Craig's having a, some kind of eureka moment over here. Uh, you should know. I know, I know, I know. I should know. I know, hold on. Producer Alan, can you put these men out of their misery? Roos and Ghana family with lights on. Do we have any more? Ooh. Ooh. So Cullen has to somehow make for this pride. a very, a very for uh, pride. flamboyant answer or something, I suppose, <laughs> in order to draw a level. T- touch it, Ariana. Out um, into you, into you. Our song of the year. Wow. Well done, Craig. Well done, Craig. After you've, a sluggish start, you've done the F- uh, the Fitzpatrick name proud. Thank you. And, uh, <laughs> I don't think my head in shame. Thank you. Now you're more of a forward-thinking guy. I feel Cullen. There's no shame in that. I feel like my ears will never be the same again. Thank you as well to producer Alan for that. Yeah, a lot of effort went into that. How do you feel, Craig? First big win of the year? That was great. Uh, it started off rocky, but I really stormed out at the end. Um, Colm, you look disappointed. I'd feel disappointed if I were you. Dave, can we listen to some songs going forwards now, please? <laughs> yes, we can. Let's, Let's do it. It's yeah. the songs of the week. First up, we have the new one from Los Campesinos. We've already got a taste of their new album. This is the second cut from it. It's called Five Flucloxacillin. That was expert pronunciation, Colm. Thank you very much. I'd actually written it out in phonetics on an email in case I forgot. So um, pro. Yeah. Anyway, what do we make of it? Well, I, I think I'm the big Lost Campesinos fan in the room. And even then, I wouldn't be like, you know, their biggest fan or anything. I just was particularly enamored with that last record, No Blues. Um, I Broke Up on Amarante was the first track they released off this forthcoming record. It's out next month, which I thought was an absolute belter. One of the great late highlights of 2016. This one's a bit more kind of straightforward. And it's also disappointing in as much as... It sounds very similar to what Detley is behind, off No Blues. 
which I'm just kind of like, that's the better song, I think. At least in context of that record, it certainly is. So it just sounds like they're kind of treading old ground, and I was hoping for a bit more bite that we did get on the first single. Now, listen, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm waiting until I hear the, the, the big picture here. This is one of my most anticipated records of the year, but I was a little bit underwhelmed. Yeah, I mean, like, to be fair, I wasn't expecting, you know, some sort of up and atom political statement mm. from Los Campesinos or anything like that. But yeah, there's just so much kind of teenage angst in this. I don't know if you saw the statement that they released with the track, uh, which said, you know, as time ticks by, I became entrenched in my 30s and realised I've now spent half of my life medicating and self-medicating for depression, for acne, countless viral infections, and worst of all, relentless ingrown toenails. Most everyone I know struggles with mental health and is trying to cope in whatever way they can, while baby boomers chastise us millennials for the manner in which we attempt to find solace amidst and fumble out of the mess they made for us. Which you is can, just... You can tell the part where the empathy fades a little bit, unfortunately. I mean, yeah. I, I, he's very good at capturing that kind of sense of ennui and aimlessness and mental health struggles, which of course is to be admired and to be held up there. But that does sound a little bit catch-all. Yeah, and, and like a little bit kind of gr- reaching, I think. Yeah, and like I say, I mean, like that's what the whole song for me. It is just angsty teenager, like oh, like a clever angsty teenager with a, a impressive knowledge of cycling terminology. But um, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, but yeah, cool. I'm, I mean, musically though, I do like it. It 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 it's not quite the bells and whistles that they had before, and I guess that's what we talked about before in terms of the maturation of the band. Yeah, but, um, you know, certainly going to be a record at least worth a listen. It does slacken the pace and on the record that might be a good thing, it might be a breeder but here it just feels like uh, it's a bit more listless than the last thing we heard which I was very excited about and yeah it just kind of goes nowhere for me as you say it's 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 a bit of a whine it's um i mean it acknowledges in the lyrics of I me mean, 31 you know uh, depression is a young man's game so it's self-deprecating there's some nice imagery there you just have a way with word, words at times but Overall, it becomes that thing where, I mean, some of the best music is, you know, unflinchingly honest and just raw. But this is like you bump into someone at a bus stop and they're just listing their problems and things haven't been going great. And you're like, maybe a bit too much information. I mean, good luck to you. But when is this conversation going to be over? And that's what it felt like to me. The record is out next month. So something to look forward to there, I guess, uh, from the next chapter of their career to an opening chapter of a career. Maggie Rogers uh, starting to turn heads stateside. This is her new one. It's called On and Off. Yeah, so this girl basically hit the headlines, so to speak, when she was seen on a masterclass video uh, at her university in New York and basically leaving Pharrell Williams speechless. He had zero feedback to give her on a song (laughs) called Alaska. This is basically the second proper full track we've heard from her. Reason for that sort of optimism? Yeah, I think so. This is really good. Yeah. Yeah, it is It is a good follow-on from Alaska. Um, it has, again, that undulating rhythm that she just kind of glides on top of really well. And Pharrell kind of pointed out at the time that she's doing a very singular thing. Um, he was like, I've never heard anything like this before. And while that might be a bit of a stretch, if he maybe listened back to it again, he would have heard some of the influences. Yeah. It is very confident. Um, 
it is very accomplished for someone that's you know still studying music and appearing on you know going to master classes with Pharrell. Um, yeah, and I, this is definitely you know cause for optimism. I think. But the more she drops an EP on February seventeenth, I believe. Um, she threatened not to do that um, because she was planning on traveling Europe after she'd graduated college. So she really does seem to have her head screwed on in that sense. Um, yeah, I like it. I like the kind of electronic flourishes that sort of lifted out of being just a kind of a strong pop song. Uh, while it doesn't take it so far that it loses that sort of immediacy. Yeah, um, and it seems yeah, like she's she's kind of come to this sound. Developed this whole sound quite quickly because she started off doing kind of banjo stuff, quite different yeah. folky stuff. It's like she had some weird Robert Johnson moment where she like met the devil and was just like, "Okay, this is your sound now." Maybe um, someone played her ten songs backwards. <laughs> Maybe we'll do it here. My ears still aren't the same. Yeah, that sense of maturity as well is evident, and I'm very pleased by the fact that it's going to be an EP. I kind of feel like that's that's a really good first statement. You, you know, love an EP. I love an EP. I'm, I'm I'm sick of albums that go past ten tracks, as we know. <laughs> um, but no, like that's a really kind of confident assertion as well of kind of like a snapshot of where she's at. She's obviously still these are still formative years. You know, she's still completing her musical education. And I, yeah, I mean, like it's not quite reinventing the wheel as Pharrell's kind of enthusiasm might put it over the top. But there is there is definitely a singularity here. There is definitely a sense of this is someone with something to say and has quickly kind of cottoned on to how to do it. And I mean, I Alaska passed me by, I must say, and I was kind of instantly looking for, well, okay, well, what's the background here? Is this like the second record or something? Because it just sounds very... Uh, Grown up, I guess. Yeah, completely. And I mean, like, uh, I was surprised to learn that backstory and all the more intrigued. I think this is a really good song. I really like it. Next up, uh, for the weekend that was in it, Coco Rosie uh, released Smoke em Out featuring Anony. Sounds like this. I mean, it's not exactly blown in the wind, but uh, as protest songs go, it's it's more fun than blown in the wind. I actually really like <laughs> <No>. this. <laughs> Nothing is a big statement there for me, early doors. Um, yeah, I mean, we've talked about protest music quite a lot on this podcast in recent weeks and months. Basically because there's been so much of it and such a kind of reaction against Trump and a lot of it has been, you know, hand-wringing and not very enjoyable. I thought the hook on this was quite quite strong. I and think again, the hook on this is fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's fun, like, yeah. isn't it? It's kind of, there's disdain there, and but it's it's actually kind of enjoyable and they seem to be enjoying it. And again, Anony has done it so well yeah. on her album that clearly... Arguably the a, best person yeah, making protest so. music right now because mm. managing to make it accessible and also quite opaque at the same time and for it to kind of carry the weight. But yeah, to, like fantastic usage Anony here as well and oh, yeah. the hook is glorious and it's I mean again like you, you know we've talked about this before where it's like I'm not anti-protest music but there's just been such a glut of it and I feel like it can be a bit of an easy thing to do so naturally when I kind of saw what this was I was like oh fuck really but I was like really again but it's great it's actually really really good yeah no I mean Coco Rosie were one of those who kind of like came on the radar and then just sort of disappeared as one of those yeah. also rans of mm. the kind of mid 2000s um, no this is fantastic and the chorus for me especially like with Anony's voice like she does disco sort of like that sort of yeah. funky oh, thing yeah. fantastically yeah. well just like Hercules and Love Affair style yeah. um, brought right back there uh, by this track um, yeah I thought it was a bit of a hit in terms of a miss though 
Gorillas got in on the act. Hallelujah mon- money. Sounds like this. We talked about Coco Rosie getting it right. Mm, this? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's not the single. It's not the big comeback single. It's a taster of maybe what's to come. And Gorillas certainly on, I was going to say their last record, but their last record was essentially Damon Albarn on his iPad, The Fall. Uh, but on Plastic Beach, they had a lot of guest stars come in, a lot of kind of, you know, Mar- Marky Smith doing off-kilter spoken word stuff. This is protest music from Benjamin Clementine, uh, well, spoken more, word poetry more so, uh, Mercury Prize winner. And, I mean, timely, I guess, but... That's it doesn't a bit really idiot, do anything it? for it's me like, whatsoever. I hate this. this sounds like the Thoughts and Prayers Brigade put to music. Mm. This is just that sort of like, don't forget about us while you get morally outraged this weekend. Maybe do it through our music. Do you think Pitchfork will say, play this at a barbecue in the summer, as they did with <laughs> Four Degrees by Anoni? Um, I've never got the gorillas thing, guys, I have uh, to say. I've never understood it. I've, you know... It just doesn't work for me. Plastic Beach is a fantastic record. Okay. And Demon Dance, which I'm not as much into, it, but probably got the better reviews. But yeah, they've done some great stuff. There's I'm great stuff buried on This is their first track in six years. I agree with Coleman that it's very much like, hey, this works for this time. Uh, it's fine. It's grand. It is what it is. That's it all just I sounds can... like such opportunism to me. It's. I, I think Benjamin Clementine's performance is, is quite good. I think, you know, it, it's definitely opportunism, even with the video as well. But like, it has a shelf life, for sure. You know, will it, will it even be on the album? Perhaps not. Mm. Uh, it's totally fine for what it does, but I won't be going back to it. I do think, I, I'm someone that absolutely loves Damon Albarn's work, but I do think when he tries to get political or make a point, and I know it's it's not his words on this single, but definitely the vibe, it doesn't always quite work. And sometimes he feels a bit kind of didactic about it. Um, I mean, the best he ever pulled it off was maybe the Good, the Bad and the Queen album, but that was very much a kind of period piece and it was drawing kind of comparisons across the ages and subtly that just worked really well. But when he kind of just throws it at you like it is here, it's a bit like, okay, just, you know, give me some beautiful melodies, please, mate. Didactic is one of my most favourite words. Good man. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's great. Autodidactic also works. Woo. Yeah. If it's beautiful <laughs> melodies that Craig wants, we might be able to help. We, like I'm sure a lot of other people have spent the past ten days, giving a listen to this. I thought I had you on hold And every time I let you leave I always saw you coming back to me When and where did we go cold I thought I had Yeah, on hold with the lead single from the third album by The XX. It's called I See You. It's got pretty positive reviews in general since its release. Craig, your verdict. Um, My verdict was it's The XX in colour initially. Um, And I think it's probably what people were expecting. I mean, it's been nearly five years since their second record. And in that time period, it's 
being the quiet one, the producer who's really kind of stepped out of the shadows and made a name for himself, Jamie XX, releasing a solo debut a couple of years ago now in colour and um, really kind of staking out this, you know, massive kind of, I don't know, really impressed with his kind of dancier stuff and just his textures and the primary coloured nature of it. Just quite in contrast to the XX. So we thought we'd see kind of or hear this blend into the XX's kind of hush sound and you definitely get that here. It sounds like he's directing um, the two front, uh, front guys and just using their voices kind of as new textures and it works really well. But then on repeated listens, I have to say there's some strong songwriting here and they're not just kind of puppets that he's playing with. That's exactly the thing. You know, I saw, I think it might have been Alexis Petridis, but certainly somebody on The Guardian saying that this feels like an album where nothing has changed, yet everything has changed. Mm. And it seems to be a pretty good summation because this is very definitely an album that still rooted in the sort of thematic... Uh, approach that the XX had on their first two records. It's still very much a record about isolation, there's loneliness, there's sort of the sense of being outsiders, and that's very much who the XX were. This sounds like, you know, that scene in the film where the kind of shy kid who's had his back against the wall suddenly hits the dance floor and, you yeah. know, discovers the brave, the brave new world, essentially. Um, a lot of it definitely has to do with Jamie XX. I mean, if you'll excuse the pun, the, the In Colour album definitely kind of expanded the palette that he was working with. And the main thing for me is that this record seems to ooze confidence. It oozes confidence in what he's doing in terms of the samples that he's using and in terms of like his production uh, skills and, and, and approach. It oozes confidence in the lyrics and the vocal performances as well. They tangle beautifully, but on the solo tracks in particular, I think um, both both Romy Madley-Croft and Oliver Sim are just outstanding. And yeah, this album, I was looking forward to it and it was worth the wait. I'm not sure they've ever lacked confidence. I mean, you could definitely say that, you know, in their early stages, there was definitely a, a sense of kind of nascent kind of childlike almost thing where it's like well this is this really a song this will do but I think that, that that speaks to its own kind of confidence and i think with a phrase like or a statement like nothing has changed but everything has changed does that not point to there wasn't that much to change in the first place there wasn't that much going on beneath the surface in the first place well no you see i think there was always a lot going on but it was in shall we say sort of you know, not not to labour the point, but that it was sort of in, in black and white. It was in shades of grey and it was delicate and sparse. And now it's just been added to whether it's, you know, sort of like the samples, whether it's, you know, the sort of synthy string flourishes and stuff like that. Musically, it's actually grown. Lyrically, I think they've come on leaps and bounds because they're saying things with a sort of frankness that yeah. I don't think they ever have before. There was a, a wonderful line in uh, an Observer article at the weekend where... Uh, it said Sim is shocked that his private life has come across so obviously in his lyrics. This conversation is a bit of an eye-opener, he says. And that's about the song Replica, which from the title down is as clear as day about inheriting traits of his parents. Yeah, But it's, it, al- it's almost like it's passed him by that this growth has occurred and he's now writing in this style. And I guess it's a totally new thing for him because, uh, I mean, when you write a lyric like that, and I think Replica is a great song, it's a great pop song, it's a great lyric, it's not cliched in any way, it's tackling, you know, the human condition, really, Mm -hmm. uh, family life, and even, you know, has flex of that band on the road and just kind of, you know, doing the same thing and trying to discover yourself in your 20s. But it's fresh, it's a really interesting approach to it. Um, So, of course, he's going to be asked about it, but he's never been asked about 
about the lyrics before because, as you say, they were quite shrouded. There was a lot of imagery. They were quite juvenile, I guess. Um, and they just, it just feels like a lot more, a lot more grown up, I think. I mean, even their more kind of romantic songs in the past felt like, you know, students in a bed sift fumbling around. There's a lot of tracks on this that are properly like grown up and sensual almost. Soft sensuality? Yeah, man. <laughs> what other type, man? No, I, I agree. I think you've definitely seen progression uh, as they've gotten older. Uh, I believe uh, Romy just got engaged. So, I mean, like, they're, congratulations, you know, congratulations. Yeah. Um, you know, but I, I, I don't know that they're that they that they're very interesting people. I mean, I'm not so sure. I think that you know, it's just a bit by numbers, and I find it difficult to really pull this record apart. It kind of has a similar palette that you would expect from the band, which is very enjoyable and pleasant to listen to, but. You know, they've always been a 7 out of 10 band for me. And in a world of no 7s, you know, which is what we're doing this month, that kind of raises its own questions. And I just find that, like, yeah, I mean, like, it's got highlights for sure. I think On Hold is excellent. I I, I love the Hollow Notes thing. I know, Brilliant. I know a it's lot really of people good. didn't like that a lot. That was really? Like, oh, yeah. Is this a thing? I've seen a lot of, like, music journalists. Oh, I think it's, it's just genius to waste on. Thinking that, that was terrible, thinking that like, it sounded like just Jamie XX going to business for himself. Um, Dangerous is the first track in the record it's quite an audacious opening track but mm. again you could see a front and a top shop campaign couldn't you like it's just a little bit kind of heard it all before uh, one of the highlights for me is performance which comes halfway through the record but I'm wondering if in that song which is you know gorgeously cinematic and really pared down and has that stunning vocal from Romy again and it doesn't go to the high crescendo that you kind of want it to. It just pulls back and it makes you kind of want to hear it again because you 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 know you're left wanting something more. But even the title of the track and the lyrics, like you know, I put on a performance, I put on a show. Is there something a bit meta in this where it's like, hey, we can do this. Like we can just make this song. Like, is there? I think you guys are saying to me that there's heart here. I'm not yeah. really hearing it. Well, certainly in the lines I'm that... I'm not accusing them of cynicism. Yeah, certainly in the lines that Romy s- sings, and, you know, I don't think they're maybe the most captivating people in pop music, but a lot of her stuff seems to come back to maybe maybe being a bit reticent, maybe being a bit of a reluctant uh, musician or certainly, you know, person that gets up on stage and does these things. I mean, Brave For You, it's about her parents being ill, I believe, and mm-hmm. she's kind of talking about pursuing what she really wants to do, but it being something that scares her and trying to get through it. So I think there's a lot of that in performance and trying to adopt a kind of, uh, you know, a brave stance or really put on a kind of pop persona maybe just to muddle through and do the creative work that you want to do. So that was interesting to me. And I think I think they've kind of nailed that British thing of taking dance music but applying this kind of melancholic strain to it. Mm. It's very much, you know, post the club, um, bit down in the dumps, uh, but still great songs. I mean, it's almost like that New Order thing. And for the first time, I think they've actually achieved some level of euphoria on tracks. There's moments of actual bliss as opposed to just, this is a bit maudlin. The yeah. likes of uh, On Hold, you feel you've got that rise that maybe late 80s kind of British bands did really well when combining indie with dance. And that's what I got from it. And it's just so tastefully, immaculately done. Sometimes it seems sparse and like it's touching on other things, but I just think it's so well executed that that's the joy of it. And we even said when we got Say Something Loving following On Hold, we said, okay, this is going to be their, you know, poppy album, their Mm -hmm. happy album. And I don't think they've gone that way. It's still fragile. It's still an album that, for me, yeah, I think it does have emotion. But, um, yeah, it doesn't really fall into the traps 
of uh, of of doing that without sort of musical payoffs. So yeah, and it has an amazing sheen. I mean, I, I put up a poll on Twitter about this, just kind of saying like the new XX album, and my four options were great, good, bang, average, and pretty weak. Uh, pretty weak was the overall winner, just about with uh, the second biggest percentage going to it's good. Because I do feel like people have been kind of underwhelmed, and it's kind of almost been like it's landed with a bit of a whimper. Um, kind of some people kind of commenting on this, saying that they are someone was like you know i love it i I love the journey of it Uh, another person was saying i was wearing thin on me already uh i thought much higher of it initially it feels like a jamie xx album overall more than anything else and i gotta say you know uh, someone else kind of said like it's wonderful it's very redeeming because the second album was a bit of a non-event without any development there's definitely development there is a journey Mm. but the one thing i the thing i would also agree with from that kind of uh, string of uh responses is that the more I hear it, the less I'm interested. There's just something about it where I find it very disposable. That's interesting because it's been the opposite for me. And I went into this maybe as someone that was probably ready to be done with the XX if they're going to do the same thing again. Because Coexist took that kind of strong base they had and almost boiled it down to its essentials even more, which I don't know how that was possible to do. And I felt like, okay, you've got to try something new. From the get-go with this, I was like, okay, they are. And I'm going to keep listening to it. I'm, this is going to be on repeat for me for a long time. Um, but having said that, Twitter has spoken, so maybe I should stop listening. <laughs> Craig, it's World of 07s. Give me a number. Uh, it's an 8.5 for me. I really like this record. Yeah, I'm going a very strong 8 for me, Dave. It's a 6 for me. Okay. Ooh. What else have we been listening to? Yeah, I've been listening to an album that I've also had a trouble putting a number on, and uh, I've had trouble writing my review for it as well, and it's not an album I thought would have thrown up such kind of conflict. It's the 10th album from AFI, <laughs> A Fire <laughs> Inside. Remember them? Yeah, vaguely, yeah. Kerrang Poster Boys. Davey Havoc is the name of the singer. Like did, the, did Kerrang do that thing where the middle, like the centrefold could be taken out and it was a poster? I think that, that definitely happened at least once. Okay. Yeah, did right. you have any of them on your wall? Uh, I don't think so. Were you also upset that Davey Havoc was taken for your wrestling name? Very upset. Very, very upset. Yeah, to this day. <laughs> uh, which is why it's, it shows my maturity that I can go to their 10th album with an open mind. Wow. What a that. journey it's been for you, Dave. Massive. Yeah. Huge. And continues to be. Um, I think this is the first good pop record of 2017. And it's, you know, it's too long. Because it's got 14 tracks, and there's no need for that. Uh, it kind of repeats itself here and there. Uh, this is part of the reason why I've been finding it so frustrating to write about, because it's... Wait, why is there an AFI album in 2017? Like, what's, like, like, do we need this? No. But here it is. And I will say that AFI's strengths, and they were never a band that I particularly held up there in the highest of lights, but their strengths is melody, and the use of melody, and kind of like, like really leaning into that kind of pop thing, like songs like, uh, you know, Days of the Phoenix, particularly still great. Uh, and on this one, like, you know, when he keeps it simple and just kind of goes for the jugular and does it in a commercial leaning sense, fair enough, but there's enough going on. And I think a track like Aurelia is Aurelia is one of my favorite songs of the year. It's under three minutes. It makes its point very, very fast and has a really enjoyable, infectious chorus. Snowcats, of course, the AFI have a song called Snowcats, uh, has a fantastic chorus and a fantastic kind of uh, movements about it. But uh, I've been seeing this album get some very sniffy reviews. And I don't think they're very fair. It's no masterpiece, but it has enough tracks on there that I was very much enjoying it. So I'd say give it a go. It's AFI The Blood Album. And I think for a 10th album for a band that has survived that kind of Kerrang! wasteland, to come back with even two or three songs that are very impressive is admirable. So, you know, give those ones a go, if nothing else. I will see your 10 albums, and I believe raise you one. Uh, the 11th from The Flaming Lips. Uh, it's called Oximlody, uh, which is a Polish phrase for through the eyes of youth. I know. Um... Craig, fluent in Polish. Um, And it's funny that you talk about, you know, being able to identify AFI's strengths because Flaming Lips' greatest strength 
which is, you know, their sort of imagination and fearlessness and sense of wonder, I suppose, is also their undoing very fucking restraint, to tell you that much. It's, yeah, and it's also their undoing because they occasionally just, like, jump way off the deep end with these fucking concept albums that are like, oh, you need four CD players to listen yeah. to this in quadraphonic sound and stuff like that. They did that. Yeah, they released... Zarika? Yeah, Zarika, yeah. Four <laughs> CDs, and you had to get four CD players and then synchronise them. And this was before they had their big hits on, like, Soft Bullet and stuff, so, like, they were basically unknown at this point. Oh, yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And frankly, like, their entire career's gone like that. Like, you know, they can hit that sort of Soft Bullet and Yoshimi patch and occasionally come out with a good record, um, as they did. <laughs> a lawsuit from uh, Cat Stevens, was it? Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You're dead right. Yeah, yeah. For for do you realise? Wasn't it? No, it was for fight test. Oh, was it? Oh, sorry. You're right. It wasn't it's father and son. Yeah, son. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. 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 um, was like, "What, really?" And it was like, "It's blatant." <laughs> <laughs> Even Embryonic a, f- a few years ago was was decent, and obviously their live show. Which, if you haven't seen, there's no point in me trying to describe it on a podcast. <laughs> so let's just move on. <laughs> Google okay? it. We yeah. reenacted a no encore live. How about yeah. that? Um, you're getting a hamster wheel, are you? Yes, yeah. I am. You run over the audience. <laughs> this album I've only got eight minutes of material, mate. <laughs> this album really is good you know i mean like there's bits of it that could be by tame impala there's bits of it that could sit at the back end of yashimi not a bother um songs like the castle and sunrise how is good we a family contains the inevitable appearance of miley cyrus um but is not wild by any means and that is the strange thing about this record they're actually at their best when while restraint may still not quite be the word probably when they're paired back a little bit at times it does go uh, too far at times it seems very without focus i suppose galaxy i sink and the magnificently titled listening the frogs with demon eyes yep, yeah sounds like what i'd expect from flaming lips yeah but at the same time um, there's enough here to be enjoyed. To be fair, I'm gonna um, listen to it. That sounds good to me. Yeah, yeah it's I mean, six six point five, and yeah, all right, give it a spin. Very good. Before we go, uh, I will say that uh, great feedback on the listening guide last week, Craig. Excellent work with, with your Bowie listening guide. Well, it wasn't much work to be honest, because I was just listening to David Bowie, which is great. Uh, so yeah, good. I, I enjoyed your system though. You had a good pyramid scheme. Thanks. Yeah, I had it all mapped out. Can't um, say pyramid scheme anymore. <laughs> okay, it was a good. Uh, Scam? No, no. It was, uh, <laughs> it was very well done. And we Great. will have more listening guides in the we future. Will, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm currently working on one, which is uh, altogether more gloomy. And that's all the clue you get for now. So mm, very excited. But to play us out this week, as always, we close with some top Irish tunes. I sound like a really bad uh, like rural DJ. Local there. radio DJ. Yeah, yeah. Do- yeah like <laughs> Toe tapping talents. So, <laughs> okay. Fresh from this year's Ones to Watch Festival in Whelan's alternative Cork five piece, called good. your alma mater of land, <laughs> so to speak. Pale Rivers. Uh, they next hit the Quarter Block Party in their native city and yours on the fourth of February. Their motive calling card gives some indication as to their potential. It's called August sixth. My name is Dave Hanready. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. And this is Pale Rivers with August the sixth. See you next week.
This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network. We're very worried. Folks, it's going to be ramshackle. It's going to be ramshackle, and <laughs> I'm very worried. <laughs> That's part of the charm. <laughs> Buying a home can feel like navigating uncharted waters. Redfin agents can help. They'll answer your questions with honest advice, so you know exactly what you're getting into. They'll also help you tour as many homes as you want, and show you what it takes to make a winning offer. With a Redfin agent on your side, you can sail straight to your dream home. Local expertise from Redfin. That's real estate done right. Tour subject to property and agent availability. Virginia Office Falls Church, VA. 844-759-7732. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.